You're listening to Board Game Bitch. I'm your host, Victoria Fraser, and we're going to talk about all things board games. Let's get started. Here we go. Are you yes. ready to podcast, Jesse? Yes. <laughs> it's been so long. Sort of, yeah. About you. It's been so long since we were on a podcast together, so there's that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hello, folks. It's another episode of Board Game Bitch. Welcome back again. I've got some more opinions and advice for you today and a special guest who I'm super excited to talk about. Uh, wait, to talk to, to talk with? talk about i'll talk about him as well <laughs> uh cool. at least in the beginning um yeah and we're gonna review a super awesome super spooky game that i love i really probably should have saved this one for like october but whatever time's stupid especially in the last year um so we're gonna be talking about Dunder a drum roll please mysterium dun, dun, dun. I just like to make sorry. Yeah, no, no. Please, please join in at any time. <laughs> join in the fun. There's two audio tracks. We can do whatever. But yeah, I like. It's funny. I like to add audio in post production, but then I just make a lot of sounds as <laughs> like. Wait a minute. Why am I doing this? <laughs> Anyways, if you can't tell, you've already heard his voice a little bit. I've got my lovely friend Jesse Burroughs here today. Hi, Jesse. How's it going? Good. How are you, Tori? Oh, it's so lovely. It's Friday. It's a, it's a, it's a great day. Um, I actually have to upload my other episode today, but <laughs> nice. busy podcast day. But yeah, so Jesse is the co-host of a podcast called DMs of Vancouver. He's a fellow Cave Goblin. We're on the same awesome network together, um, and their show is super great. So you should check that out. I'll definitely drop links in the description, but they review. Well, you're, right now, you're kind of reviewing uh, games, right? We're we're bouncing back and forth. Uh, we've yeah. recently started also reviewing games with with your help actually, because you tend to play in the games when we run the one shots, <laughs> um, which aren't recorded as part of the thing. But someday you have been a lot of help for that. Um, but also primarily we interview people, and we're hoping to get a bit more into it. I think as uh, you know, work and stuff and life is coming back, it's harder to like sit down every two weeks and play a game yeah no for sure i'm like and online is just not the same like i've done so many it's not yeah um i think it was a no they did charity stream that i did with you and and um yes. like and everyone and that was fun but it was still like over zoom and then i've done roll 20 and it's nice but it's not the same <laughs> it's fine it's fine it's fine it's yeah. it'll suffice honestly i'd rather just like listen to a podcast and listen to other people play <laughs> than like play online <laughs> Yeah, I I only like listening to like specific people play. It's usually people I already know yeah. who I'm like, oh, this is kind of like playing with my friend or like really overly produced ones, which are almost more like audio dramas. Yes, way. totally. Yeah, good audio drama. Totally. I love that. Um, cool. Yeah. So that's my lovely friend Jesse here. And uh, you should definitely stalk him. Uh, any other fun facts about you that you want to share introducing yourself to the audience? Hmm, fun facts. I, I I think we are actually kind of similar in that. Like, I, I love Mysterium. I have not played it as much as I've wanted to, uh, <laughs> yeah. partially because I think we picked it up pretty shortly before the pandemic started. Oh, oh, that's not great timing. Yeah, you need like what's minimum. It does have a three player variant, but it's it's a party game basically. Yeah, like you need a lot of people. I have played it with uh, like one person being the ghost and three people being like the actual psychics. Mm. And that was a lot of fun because it moved really quick. Like we played a game in an hour, which is astounding. Nice. Um, That included setup. That is wow. That is amazing. Um, We were very efficient. Clearly. (laughs) Um, 
I don't, I don't know. Like I've been playing board games, I think like most people since I was a kid, but like, you know, when I was younger, it was like Monopoly and Sorry okay. <laughs> and Connect Four and that kind of stuff. But then around the time I was 17, when I started becoming friends with the people that I would also introduce me to Dungeons and Dragons, we started playing like Catan and then slowly and slowly bigger and more complex games until I got to the point where I was sick of the overly complex games and have been going backwards simple ones but not quite the milton bradley standards oh yeah no definitely there's like that's a really the thing there really is a range you know and oh and yeah there's games for whatever mood you're feeling um and i mean i'll get into that later i'm mysterious i had like actually a bad first impression of this game but that was also just like my own state of mind at the time but yeah though i love board games that are like simple for like in between play you know that kind of stuff yeah. but then also a good you know when you actually want to have you're of course prepared with all your snacks to like sit down and like play I don't know Terra Mystica or Gloomhaven or a game of D&D for like eight hours and you're like okay well yeah. they're not eight hours some to some like two three four hour games still a beast you need to be prepared I have played eight hour games of D&D <laughs> that is the thing I've done I'm sure I have I think camping I've, been, I've played like just all day basically where you're just yeah. like you take a little break go do whatever you come back um yeah I love it it's great um so yeah that's uh that's that's the intro to you and now I guess we'll talk a little bit about the game and the mechanics, and then we'll get into how to play a little bit, and then we'll talk about what we think about it. You know, good. pretty same same standard format. I figured this out at this point. It's been a you know, I've been I've, this is like episode number thirteen or fourteen now. I'm killing it. You really are. I'm shocked actually. I'm actually can't believe it's gone this far already. Um, but yeah, so uh, a little bit about this game. Sterium was published by I don't know how to say it. I normally Google it, but I'm sorry. <laughs> the co- game company Libelud. Lib- Libelude? Are you Googling it phonetically for me right now? Uh, no, I'm just trying to Google it so I can look at <laughs> it's this. It's I-L-B-E-L-L-U-D. That is the people who they, the group of people who published it in 2015. So it's actually, um, it's been around a little while now, which is funny. I think I must have got it when it was like brand new and I just didn't realize that it was new. I just saw, I think I got, no, I won it. I actually, I won it in a contest um, at a game night at university. Yeah, in like 2015, 2016 or something like that. And, uh, I, I got to pick any of the games that they had in the bookstore, and this one was the most expensive one, so I picked it. <laughs> <laughs> also, like it seemed good and had some. I think I had an award on it, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'll take this cool looking spooky game." Oh my god, there are so many publishers for this game. It's actually, I think it's yeah, it's moved around a little bit because I thought it was Asmodee. Um, so I'm actually not entirely sure. I didn't spend too much effort googling and figuring it out because I was like, I don't know who owns this game right now, but someone does. Someone's making money on it. Goodness <laughs> gracious. There, there's 16 publishers for this game. Yeah, it's, it's it's jumped around a little bit. But that was the first group of people that published it in 2015. Uh, the designers are Oleksandr Nivsky and Oleg Sidorenko. I'm not so good with Russian, but I tried. Uh, <laughs> it also, the same year it came out, it won, uh, it was rated as one of the top five games at Gen Con the, that same year, which is pretty cool that it got recognition so soon and it's won a couple of awards i think in other places since then because it is a good solid game uh the game itself it's a bit of murder mystery and also a little bit of card guessing you know like hanabi or dixit where you're kind of like working together with people to try and like get them to guess things you know i've always wanted to play this game with the dixit cards Ooh. because they're weirder <laughs> they're so weird actually that was like yeah, they're almost too weird. I feel like this game would be just chaos if you used the Dixit card. Yes, good. Give me the chaos. As long as I'm the ghost. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Also, fun fact about this board game, one other weird quirk about it that I love. It's like one of the only board games that has a soundtrack to play in the background as you're playing it. Oh, that's right. It does. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever used it. (laughs) Step one, play the soundtrack. I think that's the only thing I did right the first time I played it. (laughs) But yeah, so it's not too complicated mechanically. Uh, There are a few mechanics. We'll just get the jargon out of the way. Uh, It is a cooperative board game. So obviously, they're a group of psychics working together. It has mechanics like deduction, so trying to solve a mystery, so that makes sense, um, and pattern recognition, which is similar to Dixit, where you're kind of trying to connect images together into meaning. Pretty simple, explanation-wise, with mechanics. It's really not the most complicated game to play. I think the setup and like understanding the first and second phase is where it gets more confusing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty straightforward, actually. Like I read through the rules, or a summary of the rules earlier, and I was like, this is actually very easy to yeah. understand but i think it's like understanding the actual flow of going through the game yeah. is what can be difficult yes that's where i think i get like i got confused and i was like i don't even know what's going on so anyways we'll talk about how to play again next it's a great little segue um uh, yeah. premise of the game is you're a group of mediums which is i'm already on board i like spooky themes i loved horror movies growing up and like ghosts and gosh you know those like dumb ghost hunter shows yeah I'm... and everything's it's so fake they're all fake oh yeah but I love them. Like, I used to binge them in high school aggressively. I don't know why. I think they were just constantly on on some random TV channel, and I would just have it on in the background. I shouldn't even be admitting this to the world, but yeah, I really like well, spooky ghost shows. <laughs> there was a point where they started putting them on. Like, I, I would say, I mean, you're only a few years younger than me. I can't remember yeah. how old you are, actually. Sorry. I just um, turned 25. Okay, so you're about six years younger than yeah. me. But, like, when I was a teenager... They started putting those shows on the channels that were like, quote unquote, meant for teenagers in Canada on it's cable. probably what it was. So then. It was probably just around on the show. You know, it's on after something else you liked and then you saw it. And now it was always on. I swear. Like there were and there was like two or three different ghost hunting shows. And I think it's just their reactions. That's just hilarious to me. Oh, yeah. There's, Maybe they're that's very silly. why. They're because they're like, oh, I'm cold. It's a degree colder, and they just lose their shit. And I'm like, <laughs> if I thought that there was a ghost in the room every time I was cold, I would be haunted as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. Um, anyway, but that's enough about me and ghost hunting. <laughs> Let's talk about the board game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, your mediums that get together in an old mansion to sort of solve a murder that happened like 30 years ago or something. So it's very similar to Clue in the whole like you're trying to figure out a whodunit kind of thing, right? Um, And you actually just specifically try and figure out, in the first phase, each person has, uh, they're trying to reconstruct the that night, right? So you have the person, you have the place, and then you have like the object that was used or that they were, I guess, using that evening. And one of these people ends up being the murderer, but you don't know which one. But each kind of player guesses like a separate set of clues, if that makes sense. It's kind of confusing to explain that at first. Yeah, can I, can I take a go? Sure, actually? please try and yeah. explain it better. Because so, you played it more recently than I have. <laughs> yeah, I played it last weekend, partially in preparation for this. I badgered some of my friends to play it with me. Um, basically, uh, the ghost who cannot speak and can only yes. hand out these visions to these different psychics uh, hands out the cards. They look at them and they try and be like, oh, something, what on this card seems to be connected to who? And you try and connect the image you've been handed Mm-hmm. to either the person place or item yeah basically and it's really nice because the person and like all the cards have a lot of iconography in it which is kind of cool if you think about it 
Um, because, you know, you they could have just done like simply the driver or, you know, their kind of job. And then you would impl- implicitly kind of think, oh, if they're driving a car, then they probably are exposed to lots of metal bits or whatever. Um, so like they have they kind of help you in the sense that there's lots of little doodads. Like there's a lot of detail in the artwork of of everything. So it's not like impossible to make the connections yeah the artwork is beautiful and and evocative and it's also really easy to it's like i think that's what makes it kind of a difference between like a very beginner level uh like young kid playing game and like Mm -hmm. kind of you know you've played a few games before you're starting to learn how is that like the cards are specifically made so you could associate them basically with anybody if you look at them the right way. I mean, that's also the case too, actually, because a lot of them, they have so much imagery on them that they were like, wait, this could be related to this or it could be related to this. And you're like, God damn it. Yeah. Um, which is part of it. That's exactly the thing. But yeah, as, as you mentioned earlier, there's also one player is the ghost. I forgot to start with that. That it's it's cooperative, but there are kind of two roles within the game there's all the mediums but there's also the ghost who's the person who's murdered who's trying to give the hints through the dream cards and there's no talking which is impossible for me um, <laughs> it's so hard it's so i can't even like if i play code names and i'm the code master like i need to wear a mask because i'm also just very expressive visually with my face i have emotions i show them you know it's hard it's hard for me so i was reviewing <laughs> this and i might be wrong because i read a summary and not the direct rules but i think the ghost sure. is uh, technically allowed to talk they oh. get to choose like you get to choose when you play the game i just think it's that the game is more interesting if the ghost can't talk oh no no my family was like girl you're shutting up like, <laughs> no words no words out of your mouth i think probably maybe i mean i was the one reading the rules but it could be uh either way that's that's the fun way to play so that's phase one is trying to solve that phase two so after and actually some i don't want to go too much into detail because it's complicated without having the pieces out again this podcast um but depending how well you do in phase one that kind of affects phase two a little bit like individually on how you might be able to guess um so the ghost gives and you'll actually be able to better speak to this because it's been so long for me because i played it but yeah there's a shared vision basically where the ghost then you've got all the different people and all the different suspects but now you've got to figure out which one's the murderer so phase two is kind of figuring out the murder through like a shared vision that the ghost gives to everyone that's where it's kind of more cooperative uh, well, that and trying to figure out the initial visions, right? Yes. Yeah, there is some guessing there because you can like put a vote on if the person's guess is good and you think that they're right, right? Yeah, so you can vote after they've chosen and that can get you bonus points to move you farther along the track. So you get more bonuses in the later stages of the game. Yeah. You know, we, we were talking before how I, I played a game that we were done in less than an hour because there's only three psychics and we were all very efficient we were like i think this i think this i think this i don't agree with you i'm choosing this one and that's basically (laughs) how the game went for an hour nice but there you know i've been in games where every person's every turn we spend like 15 20 minutes talking about it um and it's great and also the worst because everybody's frustrated by the end it's true it is one of those games like very much like code names with like the debating of like this doesn't make any sense like what are you doing this is ridiculous um and then you know fights break out <laughs> kidding verbal fights um so yeah and then in the end if all, i think the majority of the psychics uh, vote correctly on who the murderer was you win congratulations the ghost spirit is laid to rest the crime has been solved Hooray. Uh, woo, that, that's how it ends um special tip and i re- was watching uh, uh i think it was shut up and shut down <laughs> Shut up and sit down, not shut up and shit down. That's a very different show. Uh, they reviewed toilets. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was watching them describe Mysterium uh, just like a refresher of how to play. And he gave a tip that was really interesting where 
Uh, you can actually, apparently there's no rule on like one dream per turn. Like you could give someone multiple cards. Oh, yeah. I did not play that way. And I thought that was interesting. So I was like, oh, that's that's fun. So you can do that, but you have to give them the cards during their turn. If you've given the cards to the, like the next person already, mm-hmm. you can't give the, the person before them anymore. That's cool. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting kind of like different way to play. And you can also obviously just do one to keep it simpler um, or to make it harder, like however you want. There's ways to customize and kind of tweak it a little bit, which is nice. Oh, yeah. Like you said, the ghost not talking and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, that's how to play. It's a little complicated, uh, just like the, 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 all the different pieces. But like it's actually the play is very not complicated. Why I love it. So I'm sure you'll I love this section of the podcast. Now we can say like all the good things. Not that we haven't already said good things already, <laughs> but we'll just say some more. I like it because it is basically uh, a murder mystery turned into a board you know have you ever done a murder mystery party i have right uh I've, I've done three or four for a while my friends would try and do one every year nice that's so fun i've only done uh i want to say one or two uh very seldom and they are i did it as like a per like in girl guides we did them <laughs> shout out to my girl guide leader and we they were tricky they were hard to, to figure out but they're super fun kind of storytelling events um and i've tried to organize them myself and being like so much work like just it's just daunting so this makes that way easier so if you ever want to do like a murder mystery party but you're like oh that requires a ton of people and a ton of work and a ton of setup um and also reading a whole big ass rule book of like story stuff and just it is quite a lot to try and host a murder, murder mystery at least when i looked into it and that the ones i was trying to do um so i think this is fun if you ever want to try that but don't have that capacity because it's a lot yeah far far less buy in yeah. it's interesting because i know there are box murder mysteries yeah. but uh when my friends were doing them my friend i think it was my friend ray who ran the first one mm-hmm. or maybe it was jason they looked at one of the box sets and they're like now that seems shitty i'm gonna just write my own system yes that's fair <laughs> or or just steal aspects so like we had ones where we were all like part of a mafia family we had ones where we were like on a steampunk airship. We actually rented a heritage building out for the evening to do it. Like we all, because there's like 20 of us. So we were all like, yeah. oh, there's like 30 bucks each. Oh, yeah. No, you. Well, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to have a big like dinner. And I had started with a box and then it had like a recipe and everything, like how, what to serve. Oh, wow. It was really cool. And I was like, everyone's going to dress up in like 1940s or whatever it was. And I was going to invite like 15, 20 friends. And then it didn't end up happening. Actually, I think it oh, was it was it COVID. Oh, no, it wasn't COVID. It was two years ago on whatever New Year's that we had the crazy windstorm. And so my New Year's trip had been canceled. And that's why I didn't get to do it. Dang. Yeah, it was the crazy ass windstorm. I think Salt Spring Island had no power for like two weeks. It was crazy. Anyways. Yeah, so this is easy. Basically, compared to that, you don't have to do everything, but it gives you that kind of same desire. Um, and I love murder mysteries. They're just yeah. super fun. Uh, second thing we touched on already that I wrote down here is the amazing theme and artwork. So good. So good. So good. So good. I'm a sucker for artwork. You know that the artwork and the aesthetic is good, that when they make the video game version, they just take the assets that already exist and digitize them. They don't even like make any new ones. I, I was just looking- downloaded yeah i haven't bought it yet because payday was yesterday and we're still budgeting stuff but i was looking at it and i was like this is just all the art literally from the board game they, they haven't really added anything as far as i can tell they might have edited things here or there to make them work better but i'm like yeah wow this is uh this is just the art i was noticing that too i was looking looking at it and it's like this looks like identical so that's that is really funny yeah the other thing i love about it is i think it's got some pretty high quality components 
I actually have the box over there. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not, it's a, it's a podcast, so I can't show you. I can show you, <laughs> but you know, it's got some nice, like little clear kind of crystal balls, which is cute, you know, instead of just like a square token, they could have done something very boring, but they did like a nice little crystal ball adorbs. Um, I must, even if it's like just nice, good quality plastic shirt, you know, I, I dig it. And it's just, yeah, the artwork, the cardboard, it's all like, well, well done. All the pieces fit the theme so well. And like the crystal balls are great because like they're a crystal ball and that fits, but also the fact that they're like a translucent plastic yes. also adds to that. It's, it's just, it's really well designed, right? And actually the timer, uh, which you can use, has, has the blue sand in it, right? Yes. I don't know if this is true. I just saw it in the video and he was saying that it's blue because it's like the spirits are blue. So the timer is filled with ghosts or something. Oh, that makes sense. Supposedly, that's why it's a weird color, which, you know, kind of makes sense. Or maybe the designer was like, fuck, yeah, I like blue. Yeah. Do you? So I want to ask you, do you use the timer? No, we didn't. Yeah. See, I've only used the timer in a like when we're all sick of everybody talking about it and someone's like, okay, we just need to move on to the next turn and just flip it over. Yeah. Yeah. I do that in a lot of board games where it's like, like Codenames is a timer and I never use it. Only if like it's gone on for so long that the, like we would play that the other team could flip it like a couple times, not every single turn, but like once it's getting over that, like five minutes of discussion mark, you're like, okay, you have, you have one minute it's flipped. This is, this is what you get for going off. <laughs> that, that, those are my three things of what I like about it. So I love that it is clue, but streamlined, but still difficult. Yes, that's good. That's true. I didn't point that out. But yes, it is basically, it took takes an old classic and makes it, because I loved clue, actually. Growing up, I played it a lot. I liked it, even if it was pretty simple. I think this is definitely a good modernized version of it with like more interesting mechanics. Well, it's also like, um, so it's, clue is like, not that simple though is my remembering of it it's like i remember it being very time consuming because there's like roles to move between areas and all mm. of this stuff and like secret passages and that was all very cool um but like at the end of the day it always kind of felt like it didn't matter i think partially because you're all playing against each other as opposed to playing co-op yes um but like having somebody embody the person who you're trying to you know release from their like afterlife I think really makes like it kind of connects to the theme really well. Yeah, that's true. It actually reminds me a little bit of some of the scenarios in Betrayal of the House on the Hill because it has a couple. Oh, yeah. There's a couple moments in that game, obviously depending on the 50 endings, uh, where you end up kind of trying to release a ghost and like obviously the one player. Well, if they're the traitor and they're like a bad ghost, then obviously you're kind of still working. You're working against them, whereas in this case you're working with them. Um, so it reminds me a bit of that, which I, I do love having some actually having that there as opposed to just like like a dead person that you're trying to figure it out, but like they're just a paper. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so here it, we'll dive into a little bit of the critiques of the game because I am the board game bitch and God darn, gosh darn it. But I'm censoring myself. It's a podcast. I say whatever the fuck I want. God damn it. <laughs> so I will say I did find it initially very confusing the first time I played. I had a headache and I might have been a little tipsy. I also no one else wanted to read the rule book. So that was part of why. <laughs> I'm, I'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie there was a lot of variables going on um so i yeah. what i did and what we all did because i was the one i was like okay hey, we're gonna play this game i had had it for a while and i was like i want to play so what we did instead of playing the whole game we only played phase one like just had everyone oh, okay. try and solve their own thing it was fun it was fine and then we finished it there and then we we're like cool and that was that i also will say i had never played dixit so for me 
that whole thing was new. The whole like taking the iconic iconography and like trying to match that. That alone was exciting and new to me. So I didn't really feel like figuring out the rest. Um, so the first time I played it, I played it completely wrong. And I played like the, you know, age four plus version. <laughs> well, but isn't it fascinating, though, that you can still have fun playing this game wrong? I did. I had a lot of fun. We played it completely yeah. wrong. We only played about 50% of the game or maybe 75% because you do spend a while of, you know, figuring that out. Really, most of it is the getting to getting through phase one. Yes, exactly. Like I actually, when I played last Saturday, I had forgotten that phase two even existed <laughs> oh, <laughs> because no. it had been quite a while. And right. because like, you know, it's possible to never make it to phase two. Yes, that's true too. That is true. So yeah, honestly, I think because I had the phases are very distinct. Like if you were playing with either people who'd never even played Dixit or even just younger kids, like people on like, cause it's a 10 plus probably game. Um, so you had like, you know, six, eight year olds that you just were playing with. I don't know. I would like to play with my cousin sometimes for games, right? Um, in that case, you could customize it. And like, honestly, they should release like a special, like simplified rule version because that totally would be interesting for, for people because that's literally what I did. Just my opinion on it. I break board games all the time. <laughs> I'm a rebel. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like other critiques of the game. And I don't know. I feel like they they do have like I was gonna say I feel like they they could find a way to make it more difficult but I feel like it actually has a pretty high difficulty thing anyway. It's pretty simple once you play it, which is nice. Um, I, maybe a more complex version of the rules could also be enjoyable. I'm not sure. It's I feel like most of my negative experiences with the games come from arguing with my friends <laughs> uh, as opposed to anything to do with the rules that is totally fair i think yeah they do they do have at least one expansion out of some sort i don't know what they change um but there's definitely something it might just be more art, art and stuff if that might like you know more cards. yeah my my assumption and again i i also don't know is that it's just more cards yeah um but you know maybe they they've added an additional layer or something like that that could be cool yeah, I think that it has an opportunity if you wanted to uh, do some kind of different stuff with it because it's, like you said, it's pretty simple. Um, again, once you understand, if you're not tipsy and, you know, have a headache, um, it's very easy to learn. Sorry, guys, didn't do enough research this episode. <laughs> no worries. But hey, I, you know what I think is actually a, a, criti a critique of it is that, like, uh, it is not a board game you can pick up uh you know, if you're not in a, the right mood for it yes, that's true. or in a good mood for it. That is true. Uh, and it can bring out the worst in some people. Cause like, you know, some people, you know, like I was talking about me and my friends who played last weekend where we're just like, oh, I think I this, I think this, I think this, I disagree. I'm going to choose this. Cool. Great. That's uh, maybe not the ideal way to play it, but it's very efficient and it's very good. But like, I've had people get into arguments about what that must mean. And I feel like the game does lend itself very well to one player do pl trying to play somebody else's turn. Uh, I mean, that's pretty much all co-op games. They have a little bit of an alpha player problem yeah. where one person's just aggressively loud and other people are like, okay. Um, so I think that comes down to more like the group you're playing with than the game itself. I, I yeah. always wonder how games can like, you know, stop that. It's kind of tricky. It's uh, yeah. It's, it's more a, a actual social problem in a group <laughs> than uh, a thing. Um, another critique, I think uh, it doesn't give the ghost a lot to do sometimes. That's what I was going to say. My next critique was yeah. the minimal player interaction for the ghost. Because when you're the ghost, 
you're just giving out hints and you're just sitting there and you're watching everybody talk and socialize and you're just being like, I am a stone. I have no expression. I'm a gargoyle. I have nothing to do. And I'm, again, very expressive. I like to talk. I have a fucking podcast. I have multiple. Uh, it's hard. It's so hard for me. So the ghost is, at any time you have like one player kind of doing something that everyone else isn't, it gets trickier. So I do wonder if maybe there was mm, some other way. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I don't know. I have to think about it longer. But there's like, if this expansion could somehow give the ghost like extra things to do or I don't know, something else to get that a little better because that's one of the, the, the things that I've noticed. Yeah, I mean, I th I think what the assumption is, is that while people are deliberating over the card, the ghost is trying to figure out the best card to give out next. That's true. Um, but it, it's interesting because, like, again, it depends on your mood. Cause sometimes I love being the ghost because it's actually my favorite thing about DMing when I'm just watching my players argue about something, <laughs> like about what to do or discuss discussing things. But I think, again, it depends on the tone, right? Yes. Because, like, if you're somebody who gets really frustrated when when you think you've handed someone a really obvious clue, being the ghost is a nightmare. <laughs> but if you, you're like, if you're tro almost trying to trick the players, it can oh, yeah. be really enjoyable. That, that is a good point. I do, I do love a good D&D &D game where I'm playing and, you know, the players, like, that, depending on, on the situation, if you're just like, hey, guys, just open the door. Just open the door. There's nothing <laughs> creepy behind it. The door. Uh, but then they're like, do we want to open this door? Do we try the other door? Or, or, or you know, uh, this kind of Indiana Jones where the type thing where they're like, if we move this, it's going to trigger a trap. And then you know that you didn't put a trap there. And you're like, shit, I should have put a fucking trap there. But they don't. And they're just, they just don't do And then they will flat out not even do the thing that you made very obvious that they should do. <laughs> so yeah, the ghost has a very much like as a DM as well. I've noticed like, I don't mind. I don't mind it too much. It's more like the, the lack of communication entirely. Like, at least as a DM, you can kind of be like, I can I can describe it, you know. I can be like, "Hey, this lever looks really tempting to pull. It's beckoning you." As the ghost, I gotta just be like, "Ooh." I always find it funny because I find examples like that are the ones that always make players go, "We're definitely not pulling that lever." <laughs> I know, and make it so obvious that they're just like, "I don't trust it." Or you hide something so well, and then somehow they figure it out immediately. You're like, "Oh shit!" Like they were a nat twenty on the perception. You're like, "Well, that was a fifteen minute adventure." you know, gone. Uh, my mom's like that. She is a smart lady. She'll figure things out way too quickly. I think she's just read a lot of books. So she kind of like knows every single trope ever. And so it's hard <laughs> to play with her as a DM. I love her. Love you, mom. Um, but yeah, so I think uh, I know I don't have any more critiques to you. Not that I can think of. It's all anything else would be just little nitpicks, yeah. right? And yeah. it's not worth the time. No, exactly. And like, yeah, totally. Those are the biggest things for me, too. Um, it sounds like pretty much on the same page. But we'll dive a little bit into the strategies. The strategies uh, are few and far between. <laughs> there are some things I think that can make it a little more play playable for you. Um, a little bit, quote unquote, easier. But it is uh, not a game that has, you know, complicated mechanics that are going to be like, super convoluted and tricky and you need to like hack it and like optimize things you know because you never know how people are going to interpret your your hints as the ghost there's nothing exploitable right my first thing was sort of to uh know well i actually got some good tips from a nice uh, a fun blog and they were talking about like knowing where your players are looking so like thinking about what's going to catch their eye in the image like if you pick a card and it's got the hint is like super tiny like the thing you're thinking about is just very missable that's going to be not the best card to pick unless like you know that you have a player who's like hyper detail oriented so kind of like more like knowing your players 
um, and how they're going to react to it is a, a good tip is the ghost anyways, because they're kind of the ones that are really in control of the game. Yeah, and that's always interesting. That, that's the main strategy I have is like, try and pay attention the first time you hand out the cards to what the players are mentioning if they're talking about why they're choosing a card yes. but even that can be can be difficult and like it's it's one of those things it's, it's always easier said than done because like yeah if you're not playing with friends like if you're playing at a con or something you don't you don't know those people you don't know how they think you might figure it out but it's uh, it's difficult right it's so hard and also some people play like um, you know, I think most people play things where like very obviously kind of, but then some people will take hints in very abstract ways. Oh yeah. So like like, oh, this card is this color and this character has like this color shirt on or something, like for the person, for example. Or like really weird things that you're like, how how are you thinking that way? Um, but if they're thinking that way, that means you need to play the cards that way. So the card you might think is the most obvious hint is not actually the most obvious hint and could totally throw them for a loop. So that that's like what you said. That was my other tip is listening to what they say and kind of keeping that in mind when you're picking the cards because some people might be like very visual. Some people might think be about the colors and, you know, the various other ways you can interpret it um, than what might be most obvious to you. Yeah. Well, it's like, again, as the ghost, it's, a, it's why it's a good reason to like really look at the cards while the other players are talking about stuff too, which does make it harder to listen to that specific player's reasoning. But like, I have definitely been the ghost and handed someone a card. I'm like, there's a chessboard on this. There's a chess piece, like really in focus on one of these. It's so obvious. And they look at it and they go, oh, the color on this is so obviously in reference to this one. It's yeah, like yeah. 100%, no doubt, zero doubts. And you're like, oh, okay, I see it now. <laughs> As with all of these games, so much doubt. Yeah. <laughs> just, just be more doubtful. I mean, that that's what makes the game fun, right? It's That is what is challenging about the game. If it was easy, it wouldn't be a fun game. No. You're having spooky dreams. You can't have... Dreams don't make any sense. Gosh, I had a dream last night. I forget what it was, but it was weird. So this is interesting because I'm always, I always assume that they're more like Cordelia's visions from Angel. Though those are like way more intense and slowly start to kill her. But anyway... <laughs> My brain was thinking like really mundane, like realistic dreams. Mm. You know what I mean? You're in a grocery store and next thing you know, you're on a, you're on a camel in a grocery store for some reason. You're like, this makes sense. And you're like, okay, this is, this is a dream. This is what's happening. Am I clothed? Nope. That also doesn't make sense. Anyway, I don't have any more strategies. Do you? If you're a player, try and pay attention to what people guessed and if they were right. But it, it, that's really all it is. Pay attention to the other players. Try and think of what your the ghost might think is obvious. Um, and, you know, easier said than done. Pick the, oh, I'll say this is a, a bit of a more of a metagaming, metagaming thing, though. Uh, pick the player for the ghost who's not an asshole. <laughs> yeah. If you pick someone who's a jerk, not to say, like, jerk. I, we can all be a little bit of a jerk. Everyone has their days. But, you know, picking someone who, like, intentionally wants to just wreak havoc yeah. might not be the best one to be the ghost because yeah. they're just gonna throw willy-nilly cards at you and be like this is so obvious and you're like no it's not they just want to watch the world burn yeah, so, yeah don't pick a murder hobo for your uh ghost. <laughs> no murder hobos no you do not get to be ghosts that that's my last tip there and again kind of going to the social dynamics which i think that's why i love this game i really like social and interactive games like i think they're super fun i'm a social person 
Um, yeah. So that's why I love it. So that's why there's kind of less strategy in this because it's more about those dyna- dynamics as opposed to like actual, you know, numbers and things. The, the other thing I want to say that I really like about it, what makes it interesting and challenging is that um, ruling a card out for one player doesn't rule it out for anybody else. Um, which is actually part of what takes strategy away, right? Because you could kind of do the equivalent of like counting cards or something like that, where you're like, oh, well, this person guessed this and they guessed wrong. So that that one's out. It's like, well, no, because that might be your card. <laughs> yeah, no, there's definitely like lots of stuff like that going on as well. And fun fact, thanks to Jesse, I think we mentioned earlier, uh, you can buy it on Steam. So I'm going to play it online and I'm very excited to try that. Yeah, I uh, I think we should uh, maybe bug Sean and set it up as a Cape Goblin party night at some point. I'm so down. That would be so fun. I haven't crashed yeah. those in a while. I really need to. Um, little bit of a shout out to that. The Cape Goblins have party nights on Thursdays on their yeah. Twitch, and you guys should watch that. Sometimes they do uh, Jackbox games. You guys, was it, were you? Was it Sean? He's it's usually Sean who's there, who's hosting. So Sean is like technically the main host, but Xanthi and Talia are there. So. Yes. So pretty much every every time that I I would argue at this point they're all co-hosts. They're all hosted together, yeah. But they did like a shark game I watched, which was quite funny. Yeah, I really wanted to play that game, but uh, I don't. My computer could probably run it, but it's not the greatest. That's so it's one of those like I'm like oh, I'm not gonna risk it. Um, also, but also like I missed like two because they played it for four or five weeks in a row. They did. I yeah. missed several weeks and then tuned in and I was like what's happened <laughs> oh no that's funny <laughs> it's like before they had like four pieces of wood now they've got this giant raft with wow. like water filters Dang. and Whoa. nets and all this stuff and you know traps for bruce and all that stuff bruce is the shark bruce is a good name for a shark um they also did golf golf with friends or golf with your friends i always forget what it's called that one's hilarious I played yes. that one ages ago with them, and I had a good time. And actually, I got my other friend to buy it because I was just like, "This game." It's like, actually, you can make your own levels. Now we're just talking about video games. Sorry, guys, this might also get removed. <laughs> if not, we'll see. Um, but yeah, in that one, you can design your own mini golf game things in it. And so I tried designing my own level, and it was atrociously bad. I couldn't <laughs> figure out the mechanics because I was just like, "I'll just, I'll just build it. It'll be like Roller Coaster Tycoon. It'll be so easy." It was not. It was a lie. Um, and I made the stupidest. You could actually. No, no, I couldn't beat it, but my friend did, um, and I was impressed. So, yeah, there we go, guys. That is Mysterium. Uh, thank you for listening again. Shout out to all of y'all. Thanks, Jesse, for coming on the show. Anything, thank you for having me on. Of course. Anything you want to plug before we uh, skedaddle? Uh, yeah, as previously mentioned, I co-host DMs of Vancouver. You can find that on a podcast app. Uh, you can find it on Twitter at DMs of Vancouver. You can find me at Jesse Boros. Um, I almost added Sean's because I'm just so in the habit of doing those three in a row. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, check out the show. And, and if you like it, let me know, because uh, I love hearing that you like our show. And I think more importantly on this show, if you like this show, let Victoria know. That's, that is true. Oh, shucks. Okay. <laughs> yeah, definitely follow Jesse. He's great. I'll drop all of them links in the description for you guys. Um, and also you guys have, you post like adorable pictures of your dogs, which are so cute. Um, so I haven't done that in a while. I should have do not that. Lately, you should. Haley does all the time, but I always like them. Yes. <laughs> but but yeah, you guys have the cutest dogs. Um. So yeah, follow them on Twitter. Follow them on all the things. Give them a listen as well. And thank you guys for listening. Uh. Yeah, and supporting the show. I have. I finally accessed the statistics because I had the free plan on Pinecast, not realizing by mistake. And it's like in a lot of countries. So shout out to. I think the top three were like the U.S., not Canada. Weirdly. Uh, Germany or something and then Belgium maybe 
it was strange. So thank you to all 12 countries that listen in all the strange places. And yeah, I will see you in two weeks for another awesome board game show. That is it. <laughs> awkward, <laughs> awkward sign off. <laughs> awkward sign off. Go. Hey, folks. Thanks for listening to the show. You can find more information on social media like board game facts, articles, I don't know, all sorts of fun stuff on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at BoardGamePTCH. And you can also follow us on your podcast app, hopefully, if you aren't already doing that. If you'd like to leave a review on iTunes, Podchaser, wherever you can leave reviews. I also appreciate that so much. Or really, to share it with your friends. Shout out to Canzino Music for making our awesome new intro. See you next week. This is a Cave Goblin podcast. For other podcasts like this, visit cavegoblins.com. We hope you have enjoyed this program.